I'd like to return to the book of Hebrews again, and we'll go back to uh, starting in chapter 2 uh, this morning. Book of Hebrews, chapter 2. Now, we'll be looking at the, uh, I think I'll read the first four verses here. And verse 2 is very familiar uh, to us. It's something that I go to oft times. Uh, it causes me to, and I think we looked at it not very long ago, but... Uh, it causes me to be able to see a little more of the love that the Lord had for it. It causes us to see his suffering, which causes us to see uh, his love. But Hebrew chapter 2, let's read the first four verses. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by the angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witnesses, both with signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So, uh, kind of starts out there, says we ought to give more earnest heed. This is just not just a, a casual reading. We ought to give more earnest heed uh, that we would uh, pay attention to this. Uh, and it says, the first word says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed. Therefore, th this therefore means because of this. Therefore, we ought to give more earnest, earnest heed. Therefore, because of, because of what? We could say, instead of saying therefore, we could say because of this, we ought to give the more earnest heed. And I'll say because of what? We ought to give the more earnest heed. Well, it just refers back to chapter 1. And let's read a couple things in chapter 1. And because of this, we ought to give the more earnest heed. So Hebrew 1 and the first two verses. So our text is telling us we should give more earnest heed uh, to this. Hebrew uh, 1, 1 and 2. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the earth so it said he spoke to the fathers in past times by the prophets it says now by the son of course through the holy spirit now through the comforter but that's why we ought to take more earnest heed to what he said. Now, there's a lot of people on this earth, some of them worthy to listen to, and some of them not so much. Uh, but we ought to take more earnest heed with the teaching of Jesus Christ. Verse 3, still talking about him, and again, this is why we take this more earnest heed who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. 
So because of this, we should take more earnest heed. Verse 6. And again, when he uh, bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. So because of this, take more earnest heed. Verse 8. But to the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. So because of this, we ought to give the more earnest heed. So verse 1, therefore, or because of this, we ought to give more earnest heed. Uh, well, why? why? Why give the more earnest heed? It says, more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. But why? Lest at any time we should let them slip. Lest at any time we should let them slip. I hope we never get to the point that we think within ourselves we'll never let them slip. We are in this, Brother Chuck read this morning, our times are in the Lord's hand. And if it's in the Lord's plan that we slip, not fall and be lost forever. If it's in the Lord's plan we slip, then we slip. But the instructions here give more earnest heed to what he said, lest we let this slip. We uh, trust in the Lord. We say we trust in the Lord. We trust in the Lord. And Peter did. Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water to the Lord. But then what happened? Took his eyes off the Lord, looked at the water, looked at himself, and he began to sink. So did he let it slip, so to speak? And, and yeah, he did. I don't know if I'll go there or not. I may. Uh, I think I will. Acts chapter 15. You can hold your place here in Hebrew. Acts chapter 15. Uh, certainly there was some that let things slip here. You, uh, this was down in, uh, in Antioch. And you remember there was some who came down from Judea, come down from the first church at Jerusalem, preaching to them. And... Uh, of course, the first church, this was kind of where it all started, wasn't it, as far as uh, uh, up in Jerusalem. And you would think, well, this, is, uh, this was a hub. This is where it all started. Now, in time, we have other churches that were organized. But boy, when the people from Jerusalem came, I mean, this is where it all started. But... Is it possible that the church at Jerusalem let things slip? Or some in the church at Jerusalem? Well, they began to teach, unless you're circumcised, keep the law of Moses, you can't be saved. That's what they came to the church of Jerusalem. And there's still some debate. Did the church send them or did they just come on their own? There's still some debate on that or some 
uh, in my own mind, as far as that goes. But uh, they went down to Antioch, and here they were, and they were preaching and teaching to them. And they said, uh, oh, yeah, I said, well, we're believers. We believe in Jesus Christ. But you still got to keep the law of Moses to be saved. Well, had they let something slip? And you remember, it caused quite a stir down in Antioch. And in fact, then the church says, well, let's send, that's authority, let's send some people up there to see about this matter. And they went up there, and they had discussions with all the Lord had done and everything. And then it come down to it, these believing Jews said, you still, I said, yeah, we believe in Jesus Christ. So many thought that, well, he's a Beelzebub. But these were believing Jews. They said, but you still have to keep the law of Moses to be saved. Has something slipped? Well, again, we know that that Peter slipped whenever he was no longer trusting the Lord. And he looked at the water and the waves. He let let the, uh, uh, the Lord slip, so to speak. But here we see in, in Acts down here that Peter, it wasn't slipping then. He was taking more earnest heed about the things of Jesus Christ. So after they had that discussions, and they, they came together, the pastors and the elders came together and everything. And uh, let's go to verse 10. He said, Now therefore, why put God to the test to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Well, what's this yoke? Well, the law of Moses. They were saying, hey, unless you keep the law, you can't be saved. So they were taking this yoke, and a yoke is something that you would put on an animal uh, over its neck and shoulders, and that's where you would... uh, uh, bind it to the load that they would be pulling. So that's where that, that binds them to this load that they would be pulling, whether it be a cart or horse or, or a car, uh, wagons or whatever. But, he, but referring to the law of Moses, which they said, hey, you've got to keep it, you can't be saved. Peter says, why do you put this yoke upon the neck of the disciples? He says, our fathers couldn't carry it. We can't carry it. But yet you're still putting it on the neck of the disciples. You're saying unless you keep the law of Moses, you can't be saved. You're putting that yoke on them. So what did Peter have to say? Uh, And let me read verse verse 10 and 11 together. Now, therefore, why why put God to the test to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they. So Peter hadn't slipped here. He was taking more under his heed, wasn't he? Now he slipped when he took, he, he wasn't trusting in the Lord to save him. He looked at the water, he looked at himself, and he began to sink. And there were several things happened to Peter that uh, in the Lord's own time that brought him to this position here. Well, there's another time he, he slipped too, wasn't there? Remember when, when they had the Lord? And they says, oh, you was with him. No, no, I don't know him. Remember three times. He slipped there, didn't it? Uh, so this, our, our text says, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. 
lest at any time we should let them slip. And then going on into uh, verse 2, which is very, uh, well, I started, it is very dear to me, but it's, it's, to me it's very powerful words if we think on them. And these uh, point to the suffering of Jesus Christ. So we take more earnest heed to this that we uh, don't let these things slip. So what are we taking heed to here in verse 2? For if the word spoken by the angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. That is so much there. It's going to receive a just recompense of reward. Uh, I'll go ahead and mention it again in case some are listening by the way of uh, CDs. This reward is not the kind of reward where, uh, okay, you, you win the uh, uh, basketball tournament or whatever. You get a reward. You get a trophy. You get this or you get that. You get a ring or something, Super Bowl, etc. We generally think of that as reward. But reward means just recompense. It means it, it'll get what it deserves. If we're talking about basketball, then the, the winner, they deserve this reward, this trophy. Whenever I was younger and uh, didn't have to happen too many times and, and I would be away from home or something and I would be doing something I shouldn't do and my parents would say, you're going to get it when you get home. And it wasn't an idle words. <laughs> uh, and I got it. I got a just recompense and reward, Jerry, for, for acting up, which I didn't have to do very often because I didn't like that reward. But you get what you deserve. That's what this is saying. So every transgression. Now, let me... Uh, uh, Chad's out... Uh, uh, when he goes out and, and the people are speeding, gives them a ticket, they go to court, they get what they deserve. Now, maybe in our system sometimes uh, in certain areas, may have a friend or something, somebody gives a judge or somebody a call or something, maybe you don't get that. <laughs> but God is just. And this, every transgression, every disobedience, will get the just recompense of reward. It will get what it deserves. Every one of them. There's no, there's no uh, well, we'll just look over this one. We'll look over this transgression. We'll look over this disobedience. No, not, not like that. Every one of them is going to be paid for. We talked about this not very long ago. Let me mention it uh, for a minute. If we could just comprehend a little more what this is saying. I mentioned, and it's been very recently, some people will have to pay for their own sins, transgressions, and disobedience. What's the penalty? Eternity in the lake of fire. If I had to pay for my own sins, I know Christ has paid for mine. Well, let's take John Doe then. If John Doe is one that has to pay for his own sins, what's the, what's the just recompense reward? 
eternity in the lake of fire. I, Jerry, I don't know exactly what the lake of fire is. But using some very strong words, I don't think we know of any suffering that will be like that will be. Whatever it will be, I think it's the most suffering that we could think of. But eternal uh, uh, suffering in the lake of fire. One person. That's, that's a just recompense of reward. That's what it deserves. What about, and, and again, that's just one. But what about, we had ten John and Jane Does on the front row. Well, each one of them, and, and they had to pay for their own sins and transgressions. Each one of them would have to pay this eternal suffering. Now, if somehow we could take the suffering of these other nine, but all in this one, can I mean, eternity in the lake of fire where Satan and his angels are cast, for one, we can't think of anything worse, but if you somehow, if that was multiplied by ten, and now this one, is, this is multiplied, now it's tenfold suffering. I can't even hardly imagine that. But now look at it this way. The sins, transgressions, disobedience of all God's elect. We're just talking about nine or ten here. All God's elect that's on the face of the earth right now. All God's elect that's been on the face of the earth all the way back through to Adam. And all the way back and all the way from now into the future. All of God's elect. Every one of their sins and transgressions, they're going to receive the just recompense reward. Now, the thing of it is, our Lord Jesus Christ, all that is going to be put on him. We, we try to understand what the suffering of one would be for paying for their own. And then the one somehow multiplying that times ten, what that suffering would be. But now Jesus Christ, all that suffering... Just, there's no way we can comprehend that. But if we can turn that into how much he loved us. Luke chapter 22. So we can see how great the penalty is. And again, uh, that, that's an indication of the love that he has for his own. So what, uh, we're going to be reading about uh, something here. We're talking about Jesus Christ. We're talking about the same one that spoke to the sea, and it was just smooth as glass. That one with that power. The one that raised the dead. Jesus Christ, we're going to be talking about him. Raised the dead. Healed the lame and the blind. Take up thy bed and walk. The same one. The one that healed the sick. The one that cast out demons. Can you imagine the, the, the power? The same one that fed thousands with just a few fishes and loaves of bread. 
that same one we're going to be reading about. He, uh, even one time they was after him, he just disappeared from their presence. This is the one that we're going to be reading about. Look at the strength that he had, the might and the power. And then look what these transgressions that he's going to pay for, the penalty that was going to be laid on him. Look at this. This will help us understand the magnitude of the sins that he was going to be paying for and the love that he had for us to do that. Luke 22, verse 39. Remember, this is this Jesus Christ, one that raised the dead, spoke to the sea, healed, uh, etc. And he came out, at 30, uh, Luke 22, 39. And he came out and went, as he was accustomed, to Mount Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said to them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down to pray. You know who we're talking about. This one that raised the dead, healed the sick, opened the eyes of the blind. He kneeled down to pray. Saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Now what cup's he talking about? We talked about all these sins and all these transgressions of all God's elect throughout all the ages. That's what this cup was containing. And here, here this one with all this strength that raised the dead, healed the lame. Here's this one knowing that this cup and what was in it, the suffering was going to be. Now, he's not going to pay for it with the eternal suffering in the lake of fire, although that was a penalty. But he's going to be paying for it on the cross. And we talked about a lot of people died on the cross. But no people carried this penalty. Saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Now here he is, this one with all this might and power. This one that left heaven's glory to come down to this earth to pay this price for us. But so great was this price, this one with all this strength said, Father, if it be thy will, remove this cup from me. The one with all that might and power raised the dead, here he is saying this. But he says, well, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. This shows both sides of him, doesn't he? And then, again, the same one, the one that healed the lame, raised the dead, opened the eyes of the blind. Verse 43, And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Here's this one, Georgiana. He raised the dead, spoke to the sea and calmed the sea, all this power that he had, but compared with all this penalty, and let me just say this, part of that, that cup, that penalty, part of that was yours and mine. And there was an angel sent to strengthen him. Now, we may need strengthened, or we do need strengthened, but here's this Jesus Christ, Son of Almighty God. This was so great 
that an angel was sent to strengthen him. Doesn't that tell you what this penalty price, this just recompense reward was going to be? And there appeared an angel to him from heaven, strengthening him. Being in agony, this one with all this might and power, being in agony, looking at this penalty that he was going to pay, that we, there's no computer strong enough to, uh, uh, to calculate the suffering in this penalty. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So whenever ever text in Hebrew 2 and 2 and 2 says, Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So whenever our text in Hebrew 2 and 2 says, agony he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground so whenever our text in Hebrew 2 and 2 says prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground so whenever our text in Hebrew 2 and 2 says
and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So whenever our text in Hebrew 2 and 2 says, agony he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground so whenever our text in Hebrew 2 and 2 says agony he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground so whenever our text in Hebrew 2 and 2 says prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground so whenever our text in Hebrew 2 and 2 says and being in agony he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So whenever our text in Hebrew 2 and 2 says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So whenever our text in Hebrew 2 and 2 says and,
and 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 being in agony he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So whenever our text in Hebrew 2 and 2 says, terrible things that human beings done. So they'll say, well, what about if somebody does this? I've got the same answer. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, I don't know. I don't know about these different individuals. I do know it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. So don't let that slip. Therefore, we ought to give them more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. For if the word spoken by the angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? And the answer is, there is no other escape. That's the escape that he paid it for us. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. Dismissed.